Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Oregon has been one of the best performing states. We had some of the lowest infection rates, hospitalizations, and deaths per capita in the nation. But now the Delta variant is surging here. Infection rates and hospitalizations are a big concern. Mask mandates are back. How did we get here? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source, for supporting the show. Up next, reporters Imee Green and Ted Sickinger talk about where things stand in Oregon today and why things may get worse before they get better. We talked about who is getting infected, why vaccination incentives haven't worked, the looming school year, and much more. Here's our conversation. Imee Green, Ted Sickinger, thanks so much for coming on the show and for all your work covering the pandemic. Absolutely. Sure, Andrew. Imee, let's start with you. We're talking on Friday, and this is the first day since Oregon has its newly reimposed mask mandate indoors. How did we get to this point again? I think that people were feeling good. Many people were vaccinated, fully vaccinated in Oregon. Um, We had and have still one of the higher vaccination rates in the country. And we thought um, if we're fully vaccinated, uh, we can go back to regular life. And the CDC largely told us that, um, that we didn't have to wear masks indoors and it was Mm -hmm. okay to gather around our family and friends again, um, given that um, they were also fully vaccinated. At the same time, um, I think the unvaccinated also said, woohoo, like we're free also. They let loose. They also stopped wearing masks. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of the CDC and um, of state government in Oregon for um, saying that, well, in Oregon, lifting the mask mandate um, and the CDC saying that unvaccinated people should wear masks indoors, but vaccinated people didn't. And the unvaccinated people stopped wearing masks and slipped under the radar. Also on June 30th, the governor reopened the state and Mm -hmm. did lift the mask mandate. In her defense, she was um, one of the last governors in the nation um, to reopen her state, our state. And uh, that was at a point when nearly 70% of adults were partially vaccinated. Cases hadn't been that low for more than nine months um, since last September. At the same time, we also know that about 50% of the population of all ages, so including children who weren't eligible for vaccinations, were fully vaccinated. And scientists at the time were saying 70 to 90% of the overall population needs to be fully vaccinated to squash this virus. And now because of the arrival of the Delta variant, many scientists are saying 85% or more of the population needs to be fully vaccinated. Today, as I speak to you, about 56% of Oregon's overall population is fully vaccinated. So we're still a ways away. I will also say one other thing about June 30th, we knew the Delta variant was here in the United States um, the CDC on June before June 30th was telling people that it was going to become the predominant variant um, in the United States mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks. And one week after Oregon reopened, it did. Delta was responsible for 51% of cases. Today, it's close to 100%. Infections began to rise in Oregon just one week after we reopened. Scientists look at that and say it's probably because of the mask mandate being lifted and Delta becoming more prominent. Now our infections, our daily cases are 10 times what they were um, 
on June 30th um, and hospitalizations are six times higher. Those are both records. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty astounding. Ted, maybe this is a good time to talk about one of those Oregonians who uh, has been hospitalized and was not vaccinated. You wrote about Keith McDonnelly. Um, what can you tell us about him and, and how is he doing right now? Yeah, so Keith um, is a fairly well-known character down in Clackamas County because um, for the past decade, he has been kind of this charitable enterprise in his own right uh, around the holidays. And, you know, he, he started out um, doing a food drive um, around the holidays and has since expanded that to toys and cash and Christmas trees that um, he screens 40 families every year, provides all their, their Christmas gifts. He holds this sort of festival of lights outside his parents' house um, each year and is kind of out there uh, on the Santa throne that he purchased from Meyer and Frank's Santa Land display that generations of Oregonians um, will yeah. probably remember from uh, its downtown store before it was bought by Macy's and closed. In any case, he has um, really developed this reputation and he's known as the Milwaukee Santa. And he's a full-time caregiver to his cousin. Um, and he, his girlfriend and his cousin all traveled down to visit his girlfriend's parents in Texas in late June. And he ended up with a, a they, they toured the Alamo, they toured all kinds of um, you know the the river walk in San Antonio and various. Yeah, they did it up. They did it up. No one was wearing masks apparently, and he ended up with a sore throat before he came home. And um, uh, he they then flew home, um, and he began to get sicker. Uh, he refused to go into the hospital. Apparently, he's a guy who is uh, doesn't like medicine, doesn't like doctors. Um, his girlfriend says she th frankly thinks it's a, a fear he has, but in any case, he was resistant to going in to see the doctor and progressively got worse. And finally, I think woke his mother at one point at, at 3.30 in the morning on, on, I guess, July 3rd and said, I need to go to the hospital because he was having such trouble breathing. And he got there and they diagnosed him with COVID. They diagnosed him with uh, COVID uh, pneumonia and offered him the chance to be admitted to the hospital right then and there. And he said, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd like to go home. And they gave him a prescription for cough syrup and uh, a pulse oximeter. And he went home and the following day, he was again in such bad shape that um, his girlfriend brought him back in and he was admitted and put into the ICU and um, spent quite a bit of time Again, sort of, he didn't want to be on a ventilator, um, was laying on his stomach for long periods of time to facilitate his breathing. Again, progressively got worse. He was unvaccinated. And, you know, his mother told me that he was very outspoken against the vaccine. He felt like the government was fudging the numbers that, uh, um, you know, this was all being exaggerated. He was opposed to mass as well. And it was not as if he was unfamiliar with the consequences of COVID as um, one of his volunteers when his Christmas operation 
contracted COVID uh, during the last um, Christmas break and 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 ended up dying in February. Um, yeah, and but before vaccines were widely available, right? And his his widow, um, this this gentleman's widow, told me, you know, that you know she absolutely you know sort of adores Keith, um, but she really wished he'd been vaccinated because that was not an opportunity she or her husband had. Keith ended up progressing to such a state with COVID that he was put on an, an ECMO machine. He, he nearly died and was put on a extra corporeal membrane oxygenation, which is an ECMO, um, which essentially pumps and oxygenates your blood outside your body to give your heart and lungs a rest. And he has been on that for 19 days now at Legacy Emanuel. Uh, I think he's at this point, there's signs of some improvement. He's doing physical therapy and they're trying to, to wean him off the ECMO, but, but he's not in good shape. And uh, again, this is going to be a very long recovery process. He's someone who was uninsured and was ended up putting on, um, you know, his family was able to get him on the, the Oregon health plan, which is a, the state's low income Medicaid program. Um, but yeah. uh, again, he, and his 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 girlfriend, who is a registered nurse, she hasn't been vaccinated either. The entire family ended up getting COVID. Um, I lingered a little bit with his mother, but most of them had mild symptoms. And um, his girlfriend essentially told me, you know, she's not sure whether or not if he recovers, and that's still up in the air, he'll um, ever be vaccinated. And I think he's a pretty good example of somebody who, of just how deep seated this you know vaccination yeah. resistance is that we've seen. Yeah, Imi, um, what do we know about who else is being hospitalized right now? Um, are there a lot of Keiths out there, you know, people who are, you know, young and um, unvaccinated? Yes, I think if you look at the proportion of people by age who've been vaccinated in Oregon, as well as across the country, it's the older people who are being vaccinated at the highest rates. They're the ones who were most worried about COVID and dying from it because they were dying in the highest numbers. Um, now we're, um, so now we're seeing um, more protection among the older population, less protection among the younger populations. And so the general trend is that uh, people who are being hospitalized are younger. Um, and um, we're, that people we are seeing die um, are, um, we're seeing more younger people die. Um, on Thursday, the state announced that a 19 year old in Union County died, um, as well as someone in their 30s and someone in their 40s. So, so Andrew, just uh, to jump in there, I mean, I've heard a couple different statistics on this, but I think it's 90% of people being admitted to hospital with COVID are unvaccinated. I think OHSU's chief medical officer said the other day that 95% of the COVID patients that are in their intensive care unit are unvaccinated. Yeah. So that's, that's a very clear statistic and public health officials across the nation, whether they're at the federal state or, or local level have been imploring people for months um, to get vaccinated because it's, you're you're going to be much more protected than you would be otherwise. We talked about the Delta variant a bit earlier, but do do we know anything more about it now than we did, you know, six weeks ago when uh, Oregon was reopening? Or are we still kind of in the information gathering stage uh, from the uh, public health 
perspective about just what what this variant of COVID-19 can do to us? We are definitely learning so much more about it. Um, months ago, it was something in India that we were watching from afar. Um, now that it's here, we've seen just how contagious it is. Um, the older version of the virus might have transmitted to two or three people. Delta is transmitting to six or seven people. So it's maybe three times more contagious, which means um, the activities that we used to do and feel safe or relatively safe or not as safe as they used mm -hmm. to be, um, not to scare people, but it's fascinating to know in Australia, there are documented cases of Delta spreading with just fleeting contact in two cases. They happened in a mall um, with just a very brief contact as seen on mall surveillance camera cameras, apparently just um, an infected person walked by people and they became sick, including one person who was sitting outside at a cafe and the infected person happened to walk by that person. Um, we also know that um, now that it's summer and there's these outdoor festivals, they're very crowded and um, we know that it's spread at some of those. There are at least 66 infections that have been traced to the Pendleton Whiskey Music Fest in Eastern Oregon. That was an outdoor event. Five of those 66 people were fully vaccinated. Um, we're learning a lot more about breakthrough cases, which um, in Oregon appeared to be um, way less common in the early months um, of vaccination when Delta wasn't uh, a big factor in Oregon in July, um, the Oregon Health Authority just came out with a report saying that 19% of cases uh, were um, in fully vaccinated people. Um, now, uh, they are saying that uh, less than 10% of hospitalizations um, have been of fully vaccinated people, but they also came out with another concerning um, statistic that 18% of the people who died in Oregon from COVID-19 um, were fully vaccinated. That was 10 out of 55 people. Um, but that that's something that I think we need to watch because that's looking at one month of data. Um, and we haven't been able to get much data from other states. Oregon provides really detailed data into breakthrough mm -hmm. cases. Um, 24 states also provide detail on breakthrough cases, not just hospitalizations and deaths. And um, through reading through some of those reports, they actually aren't that detailed. Um, and I haven't seen the high percentages or relatively the higher percentages that we've seen in Oregon. So I think the takeaway here is that the vaccines are doing a good job of keeping the fully vaccinated out of the hospital Overall, you're six times less likely to get COVID if you're fully vaccinated than if you're not. Um, and all the although the deaths are concerning because people thought, hey, I'm fully vaccinated. This is great. I'm fully protected. Um, earlier on, they thought that we do know that um, fully vaccinated people still are accounting for far fewer deaths than um deaths among the unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. I think we just need more data over in the next month or two. And it's a reminder to us all that um, we should all be wearing masks. We now know that um, that full, fully vaccinated people in some cases can be spreading the virus um, and that they have the same viral loads in their noses and throats 
as unvaccinated people, a thousand times higher than the viral loads um, from previous strains of the virus. So we just we just need to be careful and cautious. And if everybody gets vaccinated, um, we can stamp out the virus completely. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as time goes on, too, I guess you wouldn't uh, it's not surprising to see uh, as the number of vaccinated Oregonians goes up, you would expect them to comprise a larger and larger percentage of the folks who are actually contracting the virus. Um, if, you know, if, if breakthrough is possible, just the law of large numbers would dictate that, that that's the case. Yeah, that's a great point. There's a, a growing pool, a bigger pool of vaccinated people and a shrinking pool of unvaccinated people. And the virus is so contagious that it's infecting um, where it can. Yeah. And those two numbers added together, you know, the, the the conventional wisdom from public health experts, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, was we might need to get to 70 percent under a previous variant of of people who, who are either vaccinated or have um, contracted or been infected with the virus. Um, now that number with Delta is is a lot higher. And that just means uh, a longer way to go before before we get out of this. That's right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a bit more with Amy Green and Ted Sickinger. Ted, when is the Delta surge projected to peak in Oregon and how might the mask mandate affect things? Well, according to Dr. Peter Graven up at OHSU, who has been um, providing this weekly uh, modeling on where the COVID hospitalization numbers are expected to go. On September 7th, there will be 1,100 Oregonians hospitalized with COVID-19. And that's about double the, the what we had previously seen as a peak in the fall surge. And we have about 670 Oregonians hospitalized now. And the, the issue that's out there is that hospitals are currently at or near their capacity throughout the state. Um, emergency rooms are full hospital, um, you know, general staffed hospital beds as well as ICU beds are near capacity. And we're expecting another 500 patients um, to roll into the system. Well, there just aren't the beds right now for that. And, and I think more importantly, because hospitals can surge capacity in terms of beds, there aren't the staff um, to, to, to man those beds. And uh, the mask mandate, certainly, it has been effective in the past. And I think uh, Peter Graven, again, was saying that, you know, if Oregonians, if there's broad compliance with the mask mandate and, you know, there's social distancing and some of these other, um, you know, protocols are, are held to that, you know, maybe we can shave that by you know a couple hundred cases, and that will will peak at eight hundred to nine hundred. You know, one of the issues is that there you know there's a lag between uh, these mandates taking place, or there's a lag between infections and hospitalizations. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it may be a little late at this point to head off um, this surge. And, um, but again, the, the public health experts are saying we have been successful in Oregon in the past surges at complying with some of these. And there have been, you know, much broader, 
Um, there's been a stay at home order. There have been capacity limits in restaurants and, you know, you know, simply shutting things down. But, um, if, if we comply that, that we can flatten this curve and perhaps alleviate some of the pressure on hospitals. And that, that's not only for COVID patients. It's for, you know, anyone, you know, experiencing trauma. It's for folks that have been putting off care of, chronic illnesses and haven't been going to the, the, their doctor and are now in much more acute uh, condition. And, you know, so this is a, this is a broad healthcare availability crisis, not just a, you know, if, if I can track COVID, am I going to have a bed available to me? Yeah. And it seems, uh, I mean, that the appetite from the executive branch here in Oregon to institute more um, stringent, restrictions on business activity or you know mandating vaccines isn't isn't there and this is a a governor who is term limited out right she's not going to be in office uh, much longer but it doesn't appear at this point that there's a lot of appetite to move those dials on on some of the other restrictions that Ted just mentioned yeah um a mask mandate um is a relatively unintrusive measure compared to some of the other measures that we've used, like a stay-at-home order or shutting down indoor dining at restaurants and bars or shutting down gyms inside or virtually shutting them down, movie theaters and all that. It's covering up. It's wearing a mask. Um, And whether Oregonians decide to do that in large numbers is up to us all. I will say that uh, the governor is the third in the nation um, to impose a mask mandate or reimpose a mask mandate because of the recent surge. Uh, Louisiana and Hawaii's governor have also um, instituted indoor mask mandates. Um, Nevada's governor has in most counties in the state, but uh, Governor Brown is the third to institute a indoor mask mandate statewide. And um, there is good reason for that. I was looking at um, the numbers in other states, and there's only four states um, in the country uh, that have surges right now that are um, pandemic records. Uh, Louisiana, Florida, Mississippi, and Hawaii. Um, Actually, let me add Oregon. So that's five states. Um, We are now having higher numbers than we've ever had before in the pandemic. Um, And so that's why... Um, the mask mandate has gone into effect. Um, I will say one other thing about masks. Um, I hope people wear them, uh, but I also hope people wear high quality masks, N95s or KN95s, because the Delta variant is so contagious. You really need to be sure that um, you're you're wearing a a good mask and that there aren't gaps around the edges of your mask um, so you can filter out the virus. Ted, what kind of questions do you have right now? Um, you know, on this uh, topic that are unanswered right now. I don't know, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. I mean, what 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 are you hearing from readers? I mean, are are readers reaching out? Are are there a lot of folks who are just upset about the mask mandate coming back, or excited about it? Are you getting uh, blown up, so to speak, on on that front? Well, I mean, there is a really high degree of hesitancy out there. And I think there's, you know, the governor is a polarizing figure throughout the state. And whenever she steps in, 
And I don't think she wanted to step in. She wanted the counties to exercise local control over this and was giving them the opportunity to do so. And none of them did. So I right. think she kind of reached the end yep. of um, her tether and the numbers were so bad at a, you know, the healthcare system level that she needed to step in. And every time one of these uh, uh, mandates has, or edicts has come out, she has faced, you know, deep blowback from various areas of the state. You know, there is a, there's a, you know, her political opponents, local elected officials, you know, have, have, um, you know, bashed her for a long period of time. And this has to have been deeply exhausting for her, I think. And, and, uh, you know, disconcerting, but, um, so I hear some of the same stuff when we're covering, um, her new announcements and the fact that uh, public health experts and the science says that mask wearing, social distancing, washing your hands, and particularly the vaccination are the way out of this pandemic. There is, there's opposition to that and it is deep seated and vociferous. And, you know, I get a raft of emails every time I, I write about this that are uh, essentially telling me that this is a conspiracy. The government governor's a tyrant. Um, she has no right to do this. Um, so, you know, that, that is the dilemma that public health officials face and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, our vaccination rate has been fairly stagnant, although uh, I, I think this news of, and the, the Delta variant has um, caused a lot of folks to, to begin considering vaccinations, but there is a hardcore set of folks out there who are not going to get vaccinated that local county officials are, are sort of frustrated with as well. They don't, they don't know how to, to move the needle on this. Yeah, I mean, you've written a lot about all these incentive programs that <laughs> weren't weren't there when when we were getting vaccinated. Uh, most likely, uh, uh, a lottery, cash prizes, you know, gift cards. Um, or did those move the needle? It's really hard to say with the lottery. Um, I think it did inspire some people to get vaccinated, but by and large. Um, it was probably a disappointment that it didn't get large, large numbers of people to get vaccinated. I think cash gift cards has actually been quite um, more successful, but it hasn't been hmm. used on as large a scale. Um, I think the scariest thing for people um, is the Delta variant and what they're seeing happening. It's not only deaths, it's the idea of long COVID. It's the idea of this pandemic is going to be drawn out if I don't get vaccinated. My kids are going back to school. Maybe they're under 12. They can't get vaccinated. It's people worrying about the Delta variant, the fall, the winter, and what the next possibly um, more... Uh, the, uh, a worse variant is going to do when it hits. Um, and so we are seeing numbers edge up very slightly, 20% increase in daily vaccinations over the past several weeks in Oregon. It's higher in some other states that have been hit harder than Oregon. Um, so there's there's 1.7 million Oregonians that have not been vaccinated. And I think we were, we were running at kind of a weekly average of about you know, 2,500 people getting vaccinated, and maybe yeah. that's you know edged up to to 4,000 at this point. Um, uh, Do the math. That's a long that's a long haul to get to get to a a, a number that that really would 
mean a difference. So, I mean, you brought up school. We're just a few weeks from public school um, starting again. Some kids might already be back in school, depending on if they're private school elsewhere in Oregon. But um, what are state health officials in the governor's office saying about this? I mean, is there going to be a, a vaccine mandate um, for educators or uh, staff? Well, um, the governor said at her press conference on Wednesday that um, she wouldn't uh, require vaccinations of school employees. Um, She said that that was up to the superintendent. She said it was within her power to require vaccinations of executive branch state employees, which she has done and said um, must be done by as early as October 18th. That's about 41,000 state employees. Um, That's something that I want to look into more, whether she does have the power to require vaccinations of school employees um, or what about students? Um, We do know that some states are um, talking about or even starting to um, require school employees be vaccinated. And also uh, going into the school year, I think um, there's there are lots of worries about what it's going to be like. Um, the governor earlier did say that all K through 12 um, schools um, have to have masks worn inside them. I think that will be um, a big help. I think, again, that um, we really want high quality masks in schools. Um, There are a lot of worries, though, once cold and flu season hits also, um, what's it going to be like? I mean, how are we going to tell Delta compared to colds and flus? And are we going to have to quarantine um, large numbers? We're already beginning to see some of that in other states. So, again, I think this is somewhere the the governor does not want to go personally. Um, She has basically said, you know, this is in the very capable hands of the school superintendents. Uh, locally, and uh, it's, it's something that she doesn't want to get out there and, and um, uh, you know, be imposing on local areas. And she, again, the school, either vaccination or masking, the masking order that she put forward on July 29th has already been very controversial um, in local counties, and she's getting a lot of blowback on that. Um, at this point, she's she's deferring to to local districts on on this question. But again, the numbers may force her hand eventually. Well, and as you mentioned earlier, we could be hitting that surge. Um, really, just as kids have been in the classroom uh, for a few weeks, so it's going to be a, a stressful <laughs> continuation of uh, of our year as as it has been for the last uh, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you both for explaining what we know now uh, to the best uh, degree possible and for uh, taking time to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with You Oregonian. I shared links to some of Imi and Ted's recent stories, including Ted's piece about the Milwaukee Santa in the episode notes. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the program. And tell a friend, help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.